your attention tonight to 2 Samuel chapter 9. And uh, I read this last Wednesday night. If you'll remember, I introduced a Bible study last Wednesday night that I'm calling the power of kindness. And uh, obviously there's strategy in uh, teaching this material. I was really thankful for last Wednesday night and uh, how you received it, how you responded to it. Um, I had another idea today at the prompting of Casey. Uh, we may tweak our 21 days of kindness that we're planning to start in March. On March the 1st, we just might do it the whole entire month and call it March Kindness. Instead of the basketball NCAA March Madness, we'll call it March Kindness. And uh, so we just run it the whole month of March. But we'll have a presentation to make uh, for you in the next uh, Sunday or two. And uh, so be waiting for that, and we're excited about it. <clears throat> I want to read from Second Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. David said, Is there any yet, is there yet any, excuse me, that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? I'm going to just stop right there, just read the verse 1. That I may show him kindness. That I may show him Kindness. Before I begin tonight, I would like to have a, a, a very sincere and passionate welcome for Sister Murph being in here tonight, which is a very rare opportunity. It's going to throw me tonight. Every time I look and see her over there, I'm going to have to behave is the problem. <laughs> and uh, on Wednesday night, I kind of get a free pass because she's not in here. She's usually in the nursery, and I can't pull her out of it. She loves being in the nursery. Can't get her out of it. And, uh, but she's in here with us tonight, and uh, I'm very happy about that. And uh, I want to teach part two tonight about the power of kindness. Kindness, when it is sincere, when it is appropriate, when it is needful, is probably one of the most difficult commodities that you can say no to. It's hard to turn down genuine, heartfelt kindness. And believe you me, in our world today, we need a lot of kindness. And when you say that, it, it has kind of a selfish tone to it, that we need kindness. But I feel like even the greater need than people than the people that say people need to be kind to me, is we need people that can be kind. We need more people to show kindness. And this is what I'm throwing out to you tonight for you to consider. So we all need the kindness of God, especially we need the kindness of God, because it's rare to find it in the world around us. However, when you see God's loving kindness, everybody say loving kindness. When you see God's loving kindness working through others, it causes you to stop and take notice because it literally provides a glimpse into heaven. And as I often teach, obviously depending on the subject that I'm teaching, this begins at home. I think it's shameful for people to be more kind to a stranger than you are to your spouse. I believe the gospel 
as a whole begins with the individual, and then when people marry and have a family, then the gospel continues to operate out of the home. I don't think you get the gospel at church and take it home with you. I think you have the gospel at home and you bring it to church with you. So I think it's imperative when the Bible said, Be ye kind one to another in Ephesians, and we'll read that in a moment. That includes your spouse. It doesn't say be ye kind one to another except your spouse. You can treat them like dirt. You can treat them like the doormat. You can treat them like an old pair of shoes. But everybody else you have to be kind to. In addition to that, you, this scripture includes being kind to your children. You don't bark at them and talk down to them and are sarcastic with them and are mean to them just because you're tired and feeling frustrated and impatient. Kindness begins in the relationships you have at home, and then they spread from there. So today we live in an era of time, we live in a place where kindness is not always appreciated, and in certain circles it's considered to be demeaning and lowly. There are people, I don't encounter many of them, and you probably don't either, But there are people that uh, don't consider kindness an attribute. They they are offended by it. Uh, There's elements of people that feel that. And I want to keep narrowing this down, funneling this down. It's even kind of gotten to a point where Christian kindness has become a rare commodity. And in my opinion, and from my point of view, and Sister Murph has heard this for years, I believe Pentecostals across the board can be some of the most rude people you'll ever meet on the planet. They won't talk to you in Walmart. They won't talk to you in the mall. They won't let you ahead of them in traffic. I'm being honest here tonight. As a matter of fact, at Grace Church, on several occasions, when I'm turning left into the parking lot, church people would turn in front of me and make me continue to wait rather than doing that little kind thing and say, go ahead, Pastor, you go ahead. I'm just throwing that out there for your future consideration. Uh, just an opportunity to be kind. and uh, So just consider that. But Christian kindness is a rare commodity. More Christians today... Pray for things like the gift of tongues, things that will make them look spiritual, they think. Things that will make them look anointed and powerful. They'll pray for those kind of things, but very few ever pray for the true spirit, the true grace of kindness. And then there's even, I've seen it all of my life, a lot of you have too, where people will convert, they'll, they'll get born again, they'll be born again. And then go back to their family who is still unsaved. And all of a sudden now that they're saved, they're kind of hoity-toity. And they look down at their unsaved family members. This isn't what the gospel is meant to do. The gospel is meant to be kind, to be loved. And I asked you to repeat a few minutes ago, loving kindness. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. But it's imperative that we understand kindness. And I understand, and I get the point, I'm one of them, that has a personality that isn't given to kindness. I understand very deeply that I can be very harsh, I can be sarcastic, 
I have to really watch it, but on occasions here, here, there, there, little whatever, you catch me in the wrong moment, I can be kind of mean. So when you have a personality like mine, being kind is oftentimes a hardship. I have to work at it. And there may be others here tonight, like James Tomlinson just said, no, I'm kidding. But there's other people here tonight. I just thought I'd go ahead. And it's been a while since I've thrown him under the bus. He was kind of due. But I'm teasing. But there's, there, there may be other people here tonight that just has a hard time being kind because of your personality. And I know people that we had a conversation, uh, Aaron Duran and I did last Wednesday night after church, that, you know, if you're, if you're happy, let your face know about it. You know that principle? Okay, well, if you have a kind heart, let it come out somewhere. And um, actually, when you've been kind to people, especially when you didn't feel like it, or you didn't even feel like they were worthy of it, you just kind of walk away feeling better. Just about the whole kind thing. I hope everybody understands that. So, but some Christian people even treat their unsaved relatives less kindly after being saved because they find the behavior of their unsaved relatives to be unspiritual or carnal. They are ignorant that true Christianity should sweeten every appropriate and legitimate relationship, not sour it. The Bible said in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 24, But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness. I want to talk about that for just a moment, and then for the media folks, we'll skip down in the notes. When you talk about loving kindness, and I was thinking about it this afternoon, As I mentioned to you last Wednesday night in, in defining kindness, and I'm not going to go through all of that here tonight, but the Hebrew word for kindness is hesed. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right, but H-E-S-E-D, hesed, however the Hebrews would pronounce it. But it's translated kindness in this passage, and it's a very meaningful world, word. And as I mentioned last Wednesday night, it's a difficult word to translate into English because English does not have a single word that can convey the Hebrew word hased. We need two or three words to convey the meaning of that one word in our language. So we attempt to express the meaning of kindness by phrases like steadfast love or covenantal love or loving kindness. Loving kindness is usually the way it's interpreted. But I want to talk about it just for a moment uh, before we go to kindness in action. Um, I want to talk about loving kindness. I was thinking about it today that it, it, it should be easy. It should be easier to be kind to people you love. It's not always the case because sometimes people you love can get on your nerves. Somebody know what I'm talking about? Let's go back to the spouse thing. Any of you spouses ever had your spouse get on your nerves about something? I know I wear Sister Murphy out all the time. I know that. Um, but, it, but, you know, if you love that person, it's easier to be kind to them. So I was thinking about this this afternoon, that if I'm in traffic and you go from a two-lane road to a one-lane road and, and you know, people, it, it, you do the merge, but it's supposed to be a zipper, you know, like a zipper. Every other car 
you you share. You let the car go and, and then so on. So I decide to be kind and I let the person over. Well, does that mean I'm showing loving kindness? Today I'm having this conversation in my head and the answer was no. I'm not showing loving kindness. I'm just showing kindness. I don't even know that person. And I sure don't love them. But then I thought, but I should love them. And if I had a chance to bring the gospel to them, I would, right? So it should be loving kindness to whoever. But then I thought, well, what if that person is a rascal? I just let that person over and they just rob Walmart. And they're trying to get away. You know, they're a rascal. Well, I shouldn't love a person like that. But yes, I should. Because I was a rascal. And God loved me. So really and truly, this said thing, this loving kindness thing, is something that should come out of us freely as Christian people, as a byproduct of the Holy Ghost we have on the inside of us. And I want to make a very clear statement here tonight. This is one of the fruit of the Spirit. This is a part, one-ninth of the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. And if you don't have that, you should visit the altar again. I don't care how much Holy Ghost you got, man, and how long you say you've had it. If you can't be kind one to another, you don't have the same Holy Ghost I do. And people may not interpret me as a whole, the biggest kind individual you've ever met in your life. You know, I hear about people all the time, oh, they're so sweet and adorable. Now, I don't see where people can't say that about me, but people have their opinion, you know. It just is what it is. And, and uh, you know, uh, so... You may not interpret pastor as being the most kind person on the planet. But if you really knew how I could be, you would say he is the most kind person on the planet. Same is true about Brother James back there. I mean, you just... Y'all on board with me tonight? I'm not just doing rhetoric here tonight. I'm teaching the book. And if we can't be kind... To all people, and not just the people we like, and the people we choose to be kind to. I talk to church staff frequently that we are kind at Grace Church to everybody, not just the people you like. You're nice to the people that get on your nerves. You're nice to the people that are annoying. You're nice to the people that you just avoid at all costs. If you do happen to run into them, and just turn around and boom, there they are. You be kind to that person. Sorry you didn't outrun them tonight. They caught you. They got you. They snuck up on your blind side. And voila. There they are. And you have to show your pretty pearly whites. And say, how are you darling? I'm so glad to see you. And then you walk away and say, God forgive me for that. I didn't mean a word of it. But it's practice. Just call it rehearsing until you reach that point of kindness where you can be genuine about it. Would love for it to be said that Grace Church, the people that attend here, are the most loving, kind people ever. So let's take kindness now. We talked about it last week. Let's talk about kindness. It takes action. 
It's one of those attributes kind of like love. It does no good until you give it away. Right? So kindness is one of those attributes. You can be the most kind person on the planet, but if you're never kind to anybody, then um, it really don't do you a whole lot of good to have it, does it? It's kind of like having a million dollars and never spend it on nothing. Well, what good does it do you to have it? The fascinating thing in all this is that Hasid, that loving kindness, which is translated kindness, is a word that is often used in Scripture to describe God's love for us. God's love for us is shipped through, it's transported through the conduit of kindness. He don't love you because he has to. It's kind of like that love thing. You know, you, you pick who you love. I can love everybody to some degree. But I really love my family. And it all began with me choosing to love the little lady that's sitting right over there. That's where it started. So love is a choice, so is kindness. So we have to understand that God loved us through the conduit, not of duty, not because he was responsible or felt accountable that man messed up on his watch and now I've got to do something about it. He, he's not, he's, he don't love us begrudgingly. He loves us through the conduit of being kind, which brings you to the point of kindness. The kindness that I'm talking about tonight is what you show and give to people not because they merited it or earned it. It's just because you love them. It has nothing to do with what they do for you. It has nothing to do with who they are. I didn't, I didn't do what I'm about to say so I could make this point, but Sister Murphy was with me the other day, and we got off the interstate and saw a man on the side of the road holding that sign up, you know, need food, whatever. I gave him a $5 bill. I don't know him, and I don't know what he's going to do with that money. That's between him and his conscience and his God, I guess. If he wants to go buy booze or drugs with it, that's his business. But I didn't do that because I felt obligated. I didn't do that because his plight was because of something I did wrong. I didn't even know the man. I just wanted and I chose to be kind. Does everybody understand that? Am I getting my point across here tonight? Let's be kind to people whether we know them or not. So even though at one time or another we either shook an angry fist in God's face or we walked away from Him in passive indifference, but He never gave up on us. There's a number of folks here tonight that's walked away from God and came back. There's people here tonight that's blamed God for tragedies that's happened in your family. There's people that's treated God horrible. But that doesn't phase him from being kind to you back. He could take the next breath out of your lungs and let you die. But he doesn't. He shows his love to you through kindness. I want everybody to understand that. His loving kindness, his hased, he came to die on the cross for our sins. He paid the penalty 
that we deserve. And He extended to us mercy and grace. And back to David's story, is, is there anybody left of, the, of, of King Saul's house? Is there anybody still living? It was Mephibosheth that there, there was nothing about Mephibosheth. It's not the first time I've had trouble. That's why I didn't name Marcus that name. Never be able to pronounce it. But there was nothing that he did that deserved David's hased. There was nothing the man did that deserved David's loving kindness. And there's nothing in us that deserves God's kindness either. It is unmerited favor and love, not because of who we are, but it's because of who God is. It's just the nature of God to love people through kindness and not obligation. So David said, is there anyone left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness? It was because David had experienced God's said. David was doing this because he had experienced God's love and kindness that he in turn could express that same kindness to someone else. David took action so that he could show kindness to Saul's family, even though Saul had devised and pursued to kill him on several occasions. So when you have truly experienced the loving kindness of God in your life, it should be hard to keep that loving kindness to yourself. And it should come out of us freely to anybody and everybody, not just the people that we like. I can't pound that point home enough. You know, the, the cashier at Walmart needs, needs some kindness out of people. They, they get fussed out all the time. Waiters do. Waitresses do. They get, and it doesn't hurt to say, hey, you did a good job today. Thank you for being on top of your, of your game today and, and doing a good job and, what, and tip them a little bit. It doesn't hurt to be kind. And I never heard of anybody that's ended up a horrible person because you were kind. Jesus said the one who has been forgiven the most is the one who loves the most. And the kindness of God is something that, that becomes contagious, or it should, especially among Christian people. Even in those times, and, and everybody listen very carefully, even in times when someone wrongs you, you've been offended by somebody. We've talked on that subject a lot here at Grace Church. Because most of the people that come here has been offended by someone else. And most of you have learned if you tend here long enough, you're going to get offended by somebody here. And we try to teach you what to do when that happens. You don't stomp out the building and be better the rest of your life and never go into a church again. That's stupid. And I realize I'm on live stream and all that business, but it's still, it's an ignorant choice that people make. It's an unlearned choice. But when someone wrongs you and is extremely unfair or hurtful, in the power of the Holy Ghost, you can discover how to be a channel of God's loving kindness and grace to them. And I will admit there's still enough humanity in all of us that makes this very difficult to do as a human. But with the empowerment of the Holy Ghost, you can do it. I got hurt and stung by somebody a number of years ago. Wonderful family. Still love these folks. They don't attend church here anymore. They left 
promptly and without really an explanation. And we depended on them in a lot of ways. And uh, it actually ended up a one big family of uh, several people. And it was very hurtful and wouldn't talk to me, wouldn't say anything, whatever. And I finally saw them somewhere in a public gathering. And I made a beeline for that person and kind of made him shake my hand, hug my neck. Man, it's great to see you. And it broke the ice. It worked through all of their urn that was going on or whatever. And, and they didn't come back to Grace Church, and that's fine. They don't have to. But now I can see them, and we can be very friendly and very kind to each other. Somebody has to take the first step and just show loving kindness to the other person. Take your toys and go home and pout like a child. Grow up and be mature and obey what the Bible says and use the Holy Ghost that you claim you have. Hey! Y'all remember that? We always have the hug man. If it really gets bad, we have a hug man here, so y'all don't forget that either. I want you to notice, and I find it interesting, that the man that was left of the household of Saul was crippled. And, I, and he was dropped as a child. His crippling wasn't his doing. Someone dropped him. Is at the hands of someone else. His nursemaid dropped him, and he landed on his feet, and it crippled him in both feet for the rest of his life. He didn't do anything to make that happen. Someone else did it. And you and I may not be physically crippled like he was but in our spirit in our emotions in our mentality in our heart some of us are crippled nonetheless and we're crippled in our hearts and we're crippled in our minds because of past wounds that never healed quite right and you find yourself mentally emotionally spiritually limping through the rest of your spiritual life. And I want to say something here tonight, and God help me with all my heart. God help me. Sooner or later, a David comes along. Probably the person that should hate you the most. Probably the person that should want to kill you the most. Just let's go ahead and wipe out the family of Saul. Let's just get rid of this whole genetic Let's get rid of all this off the planet. It's not what David did. He chose to be kind. And there's some folks here tonight that you're crippled emotionally. You're crippled even spiritually, at least when you came. But Grace Church, to a great degree, was your David. And we didn't look at how you were crippled or why you were crippled. We just wanted you to know you're welcome to come feast at Grace Church anytime you want. It's just what we want you to know. And I mean that with all of my heart. The pain of life has left a lot of us broken. I've had my share of the broken heart experience just like you have. Life has dealt all of us some very crippling blows. And all of us need the healing kindness of God because not only is it rare to find in our world oftentimes and too often it's rare to find even in a good church setting 
But however, when you see God's loving kindness working through others, it causes you to stop and take notice because it gives you a glimpse into heaven and makes the gospel all that more believable. I know tonight what I'm talking about. There's more than one person here tonight that when you walked into the doors of this church, you were skeptical. You probably heard about it. And, you know, Grace Church is this and that. You heard about it. You heard about our environment. Probably didn't really believe it. Was real skeptical. But you decided to come. And you've told me later that you were overwhelmed at the kindness you received at the door from our amazing ushers opening the door for you when you walk in every Sunday and they don't mind. It's just being kind. And then our greeters giving you a warm handshake and a pretty smile. And then when you walk into the sanctuary, I've not heard anyone yet this visited Grace Church that's left here saying no one spoke to me the entire time I was there. When God saw that we would be unable to save ourselves through any earthly means in His kindness and compassion, He ran love and compassion through the conduit of kindness. He came as the Lord Jesus Christ to save us forever in eternity if we choose to follow Him. God put His kindness into action so that we are now saved during world war ii a young paratrooper named david webster of e company 101st airborne wrote his mother he said stop worrying about me i've joined the parachutist to fight i intend to fight if necessary i shall die fighting but don't worry about this because no war can be won without young men dying. Those things which are precious are only saved by sacrifice. And that's what Jesus did for you and I. How much more should we share loving kindness with others? So let me conclude tonight by showing you how powerful kindness is. One of the most amazing ideas that come from Scripture is that you and I are actually invited to be channels of God's loving kindness to others. We were chosen, we received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, etc., and now we are conduit through which the kindness of God can flow through. So each one of us has opportunities every single day to reject temptations of power and bitterness and instead, in lieu of that, express God's loving kindness to a person that we think does not deserve it. Whether it's a rebellious child or a bitter ex-husband or wife, an angry co-worker, a demanding boss, an abusive parent, or someone who takes advantage of you in business, every time we do not return evil for evil, but rather return evil with good, we live into the loving kindness of God and share in His ministry of reconciliation and hope. That's what you do when you are kind to people that you deem are not worthy of it. You live into God's 
loving kindness. This doesn't mean we should be codependent and enable uh, bad behavior. It doesn't mean those things at all. There, You have to be, you know, kind of common sense and what have you. But sometimes the most loving thing we can do is speak truth to a person and hold them accountable for the things that they say and do. And yet to be a channel of God's kindness to others when they don't deserve it uh, is to reject the desire to be bitter or even to get even with that person. And sometimes it feels good to exercise revenge and to get even. I believe, you know, revenge is an awesome thing. People say how sweet it is. And I believe that might be why God reserved it unto himself. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, because he knows how sweet it is. We can leave justice in the hands of God who is in a much better position than we are to sort things out and we can look to him to be our defender. But we are literally conduits of God's kindness in our world, in this world. And if we are conduits of his kindness, you can literally create hope and healing and restoration in the world of others just by simply being kind. When David brought Mephibosheth to live with him, he exhibited that his compassion and kindness were above the hatred of Saul. Kindness was more powerful than anyone could imagine. When the Samaritan picked up the robbed and beaten up man on the road and left him with a physician to be cared for and healed, healed up, what an impact he was making in the life of this man and the physician as well. Our acts of kindness can radically impact people who may never change, but these acts may break them to transform. You just can't imagine what impact you're leaving in the hearts of people around you when you show acts of kindness to them. That is the power of kindness, which happens to be one of the virtues of the fruit of the Spirit. You can go ahead and pursue tongues all you want, and it don't mean anything to anybody except you, I recommend pursue the fruit of the Spirit instead. Let God make a Christian out of you first. God enable you, empower you to be Christ-like first. And it begins with loving people and being kind to people. It's interesting that during the volcanic eruption of Mount St. Helens, a lot of you remember that in the state of Washington a number of years ago, you can't even imagine the intense heat that melted the dirt leaving bare rock covered with a thin, a thick coat of ash. Members of the Forest Service wondered how much time would have to pass before any living thing would ever grow there again. And one day a park employee stumbled across a lush patch of vegetation formed in the shape of an elk. Plants had sprouted from the organic matter that lay where the elk had been buried by volcanic ash. From then on, the naturalists looked for such patches of green in order to calculate the loss of wildlife. Philip Yancey has written that Christians can help establish patches of green in the gray ash of a lost and and decaying world. In the midst of hate and strife, as Christian people, we should offer forgiveness and peace. In the midst of oppression and injustice, we should offer freedom 
and fairness. In the midst of immorality and falsehood, we should offer righteousness and truth. This is what it means to be a conduit of God's hased, loving kindness to a lost and broken world. A little lame boy was once carrying, uh, hurrying to catch a train. In the press of the crowd, he experienced real difficulty in manipulating his crutches, especially as he was carrying a basket full of fruit and candy. As the passengers rushed, rushed along, one of the passengers hit the basket by mistake, knocking out orange and apples and candy, candy bars in all directions. And the man who caused the accident only long enough, paused only long enough to scold the cripple for getting in his way. Another gentleman, seeing the boy distress, went to his aid and quickly he picked up the fruit and, and he added a silver dollar to the collection saying, I'm sorry, Sonny, I hope this makes up for it just a little. With a smile, he was on his way. The young boy who had seldom been the recipient of such kindness called after the Good Samaritan and gratitude and said, Oh, mister, please, are you Jesus? The man replied and said, No, I'm just one of his followers. So too the people whose lives we touch need to see a little glimpse of Jesus in our acts of kindness and compassion. They should really know that we follow him. So in conclusion, tonight our emphasis on kindness may sound good in theory, but can it really happen in practice? I'm not here to enhance anybody's knowledge on the subject of kindness. I'm given a mandate. It shouldn't wait until March 1st. It should have started a long time ago. But we're going to celebrate March kindness. So our emphasis on kindness may sound good in theory, but does it really happen in practice? Does the Holy Ghost actually help us to develop kindness? Are not some people just naturally kind? It's impossible to produce genuine Christ-like kindness as described in Galatians 5 by us. I don't care how kind you are in your nature. Having the baptism of the Holy Ghost on the inside of you will make you even more kind. So then a growth process follows which can only take place as we submit and obey the Holy Ghost. He nurtures those positive character changes that are reflected in our relationships. And through him I find the sustaining power of the Holy Ghost who helped me turn the cruelty in me into kindness. And when that happens, we need the powerful ministry of the Holy Ghost to walk through those hearts without bitterness. So if we're willing... He enables us to respond in love and kindness. He gives the strength to forgive and heals painful memories. We must purpose in our hearts not to be part of the cruelty in our church, in our world, but rather we must be sensitive to the needs of people, showing kindness to those we serve, to friends and enemies alike. As a matter of fact, Kindness is far more prolific in the presence of your enemy than it is your friend. May we resolve in our cultivation of the fruit of kindness to see the inexhaustible resources of the gentle yet dynamic Holy Ghost 
whom God has so graciously poured out on us to manifest kindness. For it is not by might, nor by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. Would you stand with me tonight? Father, tonight we're grateful for the amazing, impactful, life-transforming word and spirit of God. And God, I pray for Grace Church tonight. I pray for all of us that it starts in this pulpit first, that it'll start here first. I want to draw a three-foot diameter circle around me, God, and say, let it begin here first. But to develop into a true Christian man, to genuinely love people, and because I love people, to be genuinely kind to them. And I pray, God, that that would just ripple all throughout Grace Church. Let it turn into a flood. That our hearts are melted by your loving kindness to usward. And our appreciation of that, we're going to pay forward by being kind to one another, being kind to the stranger, the people we meet everywhere we go. Help us tonight to give people a glimpse of you and a glimpse of heaven through true, godly, loving kindness. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Now, before you leave and run out the door, you have a great opportunity tonight to practice. This is dress rehearsal tonight. So as you are exiting the building, be kind to somebody, whether you feel like it or not. God bless you. You're dismissed. We'll see you Sunday.